winter. Hello and welcome to What We Do in the Winter. This is the 36th episode in this series of podcasts, which normally comes from the Isles of Mull, Iona, Ulva and Gometra. This is the second of two episodes from the Isle of Colonsey. Colonsey is an island which lies to the south of Mull and has a population of about 135 folk. I'm Alistair Satchel, I live outside of Dervig in the north of Mull, and I'll be your host today. In this episode, I talk with Netta Titterton of Colonsey. I've known Netta since I was a wee boy, and she's a relation, so it's an absolute delight to have gotten a chance to speak with her. We talk about Netta's family, and how her dad's work with the Strathcona family, who've owned Colonsey for over 100 years, brought their family to the island. The story of the Strathcona family, and how they came to own the island, is also explored. The conversation moves on to her school life in Colonsey and Oban, and a little bit about her working life. We didn't get a chance to talk about her work as the telephone exchange operator though, which I must try and ask her about when I next catch up with her. We also talk about the characters of the island, including my great-grandfather. The village halls of the island and their characteristics are also explored. Where was the best for dancing and why, what makes a hall good for dancing or not? At one point we mentioned Donald Caskey, the Tartan Pimpernel, which, if you don't know his story, it's well worth seeking it out. There's more information in the links for this episode. I caught up with Netta at her home in Colonsey when my family were there on the island on holiday. It was absolutely brilliant to get back and see so many folk. Before I hand you over to Netta, I want to share a brief story with you. A couple of summers ago, Netta was in her living room and noticed two ladies standing at the front of her house staring in her window. They were looking at the bonny wee porcelain budgie ornament that Netta has sitting in her window. One of them was nodding her head very loudly and saying, Oh yeth, aha, it's real, oh yeth, aha. The other was shaking her head and saying, Oh no, it's not, oh no. This nodding and shaking continued for a while. Then they moved along to go into the shop next door. Netta went to the window and casually turned the budgie to face in entirely the other direction. Shortly afterwards, the ladies walked past again on their way back from the shop. As they passed the window, they paused, smiled and nodded. And one of them could be seen to mouth, I told you so. I'll be back at the end of the episode with more waffle and links to videos of the island that may be of interest to you. And now, it is an absolute honour to pass you over to Netta Titterton. Who are you? Oh, <laughs> that is very difficult. Because <laughs> I don't know who I am. I mean, actually, I'm nobody. We're all nobody to start with. Yeah. And then you get a name and you get an address. Yes. And then you know where you come from. Yes, yeah. But we came from Glencoe to here um, because my father was employed with his Strathconas in Glencoe and the factor that was in Glencoe at the time was also coming to Colonsey. Right. In fact, he was moving the whole lock, stock and barrel um, because he was selling Glencoe. Ah. And we all came to Colonsey. The factor went to Tuberoran next door and we went up to Killoran. So you started at Killoran? We started in Killoran in 1947. That's going back. Yes. Wow. So... The, the Strathconas, why did they have Glencoe? How did that come about as the family? That was Donald Smith who went to Canada 
and eventually made the Canadian Pacific Railway. And then he was from the East Coast and he went to Canada and ended up doing that and came back to Britain and bought Glencoe, well, parts of it, the estate bits of it, and he wanted a title. And he wanted to call himself Lord Glencoe, which he couldn't because there was a McNean, a McKeon of Glencoe going away back. Yes. So he wasn't allowed to do that. So they took the name of the river, which was the River Coe, and the Glen, which ah. they had bought most of, and put it together. So that's how Strathcona name came into being. Right. Because the great-grandfather was Donald Smith. Yes. So that's how the title came into being. And he did he marry into Indian family as well? Or was the children uh, married into... Yeah. Donald Native Smith Americans. married into... He married an Indian uh-huh. woman. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've been to Glencoe. Not at the top, no, not no. where they are. Yeah. Up where the big house is, there's a big... What they call a lake, but it's a loch, does. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he built that for his wife because she was homesick. And he built conifers and, well, grew conifers and built a boathouse and put a canoe on it so that she would feel at at home. It's a goldfish bowl. Yes. (laughs) That's terrifying. And sad and beautiful at the same time. Yes. So then they gave up Glencoe. Well, they didn't give it up. It was requisitioned during the war for um, as a hospital. And then it became, uh, what was it after that? A maternity hospital. And then it was an old folks home. And then it was sold as a maternity hospital or bought to use as a maternity hospital. Then I think there was about three folk left in it, three old folk, and that was all. So they couldn't keep it up. Yeah. They sold it to somebody from up north. He's a well-known guy. Um, Roger Nimier, uh-huh. and he's just sold it to the folk that have bought the Caledonia Hotel in Oban. The oh, Pearl. Pearl, yeah. Right. It's just been sold to them. Oh gosh, it could be quite good then in the future. Yeah. Because that's got a great name in the But Oban. it was good. I was uh-huh. up there two years ago and was 300 something pound a night oh my God. for a room, for a suite. Yeah. It was all suites. They made a good job of it. Yeah. But when Lord Strathcona sold it, they had bought Conzi from the McNeils. Right. And the rest of that's history. We'll not go into it. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Right. Yes. How was Glencoe growing up? Do you remember much of it? You must have been totally, totally wee. I was at school in Glencoe. Right, okay. Yeah. So... Um, what, what what are your memories of Glencoe? Was it quite a fun place to be? Was it a- what happened was we came here um, when I was six. Mm-hmm. My sister was ten. But we kept in touch with people and we went back there every Easter on holiday until I was about 12, I think. Right. And then the friends moved to Inverness, so we didn't have anywhere else to go to. But I've been backwards and forwards quite a few times since. Do so you still feel a strong connection to it? Yes. And were your folks Glencoe folk before No, that? they were Edinburgh. Ah, right. And my father in 1921, he had no work. Yeah. 
And he used to, he was in the boys' brigade and he used to go and set up camps in the borders. All right. And one of the guys that was with him said to him he would look for a job for him. And he was an electrical engineer. And this is the very funny bit. They, he did find a job for him, but it was on a ship. Oh. And he sailed from Leith up to Grangemouth. Not the other way. Not too far. <laughs> Not too far, and he was sick. Oh, so he no. didn't take that job. <laughs> and he never told me that until I was quite elderly, because he said, you would only have laughed at me, which we did. But he didn't take that job. Did you just come job. and live in then? I mean, that is a thought. And then he applied for several jobs, and they saw this one in the Times or The Guardian, I don't know which one and it was for an electrician come handyman come general dog's body oh, in Glencoe yeah. and he applied for that in 1926 and got it so he was with them from 1926 till he died in 74 well he retired at 69 but um, he was attached to them all that time what was your dad's surname what was your dad's name Ogilvy ah, yeah. James Mm-hmm. Did he have a nickname here at all? No, just Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And how about your mum from Edinburgh as well? My mum was a um, kilt maker. Ah, whereabouts in Edinburgh? She worked in Leith. In, she was, they were from Leith, both of them. But she worked in Forsyth, wow. in Princess Street, as a kilt maker. Wow. My mate Ailey, one of my best friends, her grandmother was a kilt maker in Leith. So, I... so then when they came here, Forsyth sent bales of tartan over for her to continue making kilts over here. And did she? Yeah. Fantastic. She made quite a few kilts that are on the island, still on the island. That's amazing. Yeah. And does Neil have one of them at all? He's got one, but it's not one that she made. Right. What else did your mum do when she was on the island? Oh, various things, but she wasn't very well. She oh. had um, TB when she was younger and she just didn't keep all that well at all. But she did lots of things. Yep. So you went from uh, primary school in Glencoe? Yeah. To primary school here? To primary school here and it was completely different. Who was the teacher when you were wee? The teacher here? Yeah. It was a Miss Strath. How was she? Terrible. (laughs) I did not get on with her at all. She... The first day I was in school, Elnor wasn't there because she was ill. So I had to go to a school six by myself, where I only knew one, two, three people. And the first day we were supposedly writing an essay or writing something. And I was using my left hand. And I got the ruler over across my ear because I was using the wrong hand. That's terrible. Now, I had been allowed to use it in Glencoe because my father's sister was left-handed and they made her use her right. And half the time she didn't know what she was doing. So he insisted when I went to school, but he never thought about it here. He just thought I would carry on. And I came home and I said I wasn't going back and I packed my case I had a wee case and I packed it and I put my coat on and I sat in the bedroom on the floor waiting for somebody to come and take me back home. Yeah. 
I would be with you. And my father went down to see the teacher. And the next day, I had everything wrong with me that I could think of. I had a sore tooth, a sore yeah. head, a sore tummy, sore legs. A whole lot. Um, didn't get away with it. Mm. And when we went into the classroom, she said, Netta, come out and wipe the board so that people will see how you do it with the wrong hand. Mm. And that was it supposedly sorted. Mm. And there was 49 in school. And I was the only one that was left-handed, so you can guess at the oh. ribbing I got. God. Oh, man. It was not a happy time. No. But were there pals in school as well? Yeah. When when we came first, the, the family across the road, believe it or not, we were Elnor and Netta. Yes. And they were Ella and Etta. <laughs> and then Eva They don't was, like ends in that family. <laughs> Eva was across the... On the other in the other house, Aye. so we were just all pals. But oh, that's great. no, Ever was too young. He wasn't in school at that <laughs> point, so I was on totally on my own. Oh my goodness! And the other two were older than me, so it meant they were in a different classroom, so they didn't see this. And was there only one teacher, or <clears throat> were there two teachers? No, there was two teachers. Right. There was one for the seniors up to twelve, and yeah. there was one for the. The juniors. So when you came to do your upper part of your schooling, did you get the correspondence course stuff? There was the correspondence course or you could go to Oban. What did you choose to do? I did the correspondence course for the first three years and then I went to Oban for the last year. Right, okay. Um, How did you like that coming from Colonsey? It was fine. It wasn't all that happy because we had to work harder. Doing the correspondence course was easier because the work was there and you could stop and change if you wanted to or do the ones you liked first and leave the ones you didn't like till last or do it the other way around. But no, when you had to do the classes as they were set out. So that was different, but it didn't do any harm. And are there any uh, pals you made at that time that you're still in contact with? Yes, there's quite a few. And most of them are in Gia, believe it or not. Really? Yes. Great place, Gia. There was a lot of folk from Gia. There was Flora McNeil uh-huh. and Malcolm McNeil. There was another brother, and I can't remember his name. And there was McDonald's. Um, we were quite a wee clique. Yeah. And there was folk from Loch Allen. All right. And two of the women that worked in the girls' hostel at that time, they were separate, had been brought up in Killoran, in Colonsey, and they went to Tivali. Oh, yeah. Um, from Colonsey. He was a shepherd or a stockman, I can't remember which. I think he was a shepherd. And they were in the hostel, so that made it... A bit more homely. Yeah. Right. Had you known them before they'd, you'd gone as well? No, I didn't know them because they had left Colonsey before we came, but I knew of them. They knew most of the folk that we knew, so oh, that's it was quite good. Were there, are there any of the teachers of that period that stick out? I'm slowly building a picture of Oban High figures a lot in the lives of people of Mal of a certain age. And also, uh, Colonsey, when I was talking to Petey, he was saying the same as well. There were certain teachers. Uh, yes. That, that, that didn't, yeah. I can't remember the teachers. The matron that was in the hostel was Miss McLean, and she was supposedly deaf. 
So if you sat beside her, she could never hear you. But if you sat at the other end of a big, long table, Mm -hmm. she could hear you whispering. Mm, Very cunning ploy. Yes. (laughs) No, I don't remember the teachers, and I should. That's maybe for the best. Yeah. (laughs) We'll draw a veil over that. Exactly. (laughs) After school, what did you do? Did you come back to the island? Did you go away? Did you... I had a job from when I was six, and I knew that I could have that job after I left school. What was that job? I worked on the farm as a dairymaid, and when we were six, we used to get jobs to do, as people did in those days. They all had their own work to do, and they used to milk cows and things. So when I left school... There wasn't a vacancy at that point, so I went to work in Cornsey House for a couple of years. Then I went back to the farm, and then they wanted somebody to do milk recording because it was sent away to Isla every week. Really? The milk was sent in wee things, but they had to send somebody over to do it. So I got a crash course in Ochen Groove oh, cool. doing milk recording which wasn't the technical bits of it, but doing it so that we could send it to Isla with the labels on it and know what what it was, just to make sure that, that the milk was safe to use. Mm-hmm. And how was the milk? Was it lovely? It was Jersey milk. It was very good. So did you have much connection with Isla yourself as well? Were you across with the boat or were you just putting them on the boat? We were just putting them on the boat, but we had a lot of connection with Isla because that's the way the boat went, backwards and forwards. So... We had we knew a lot of Isla folk in those days. And do you think that connection still exists to this day between Colonsey and Isla? Yes. Yes, there's still quite a lot of people that come over now and again. We've got a walking group from the Isla churches that come over once a year. Um, they walk around the island and stop off and see people that they know. I noticed that you've got the Caskey book on your uh, your uh, yes. bookshelf there, the, the Tartan Pimpernel. An extraordinary story. Did he come back to Isla at the end of his life? Yes. Did you know him at all? I didn't know him. My mother knew him. Right. I didn't know him at all. I think she went backwards and forwards to hospital quite a lot, so she travelled um, and she knew him. But I didn't. I never met him, unfortunately. Mm. I would have loved to. Oh, what a story. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really... It's something to be proud of. Yeah. It's extraordinary. You're working in Big House and doing milk registering. Yeah. What did you do after that? Oh, what didn't you do after that? I got married. Ah, yes. And how did you meet Colin? Well, Colin's family came to work for the estate, believe it or not. Right. His father was a head gardener, um, and they were in Weems Bay at the time. Right. And they saw this advert, and of course, Mora belonging to Colinsey. Right. Um, she was a sister of your granny's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, her belonging to Colinsey they decided to come back. And the boys were there, Colin and Freddie. Yeah. And then Colin went off to Keel. Freddie went off to Dunoon. Right. And Colin went to Keel and then he went to the Merchant Navy. Yes. And just came home on leave. And 
We had known each other, but we didn't like each other. <laughs> when we were kids, we just didn't like each other. I don't know what happened to change it, but anyway, it changed. And then I got a job making upholstery and curtains and things for the estate. Ah, fab. So it all carried on almost with mums. It all carried on. And so have you, you still got those skills as well that you use? Yeah, but not so much now because my fingers don't do half the things they used to do. Right. So where did, where did you and Colin live at first? We lived in Mill Cottage, which is over... If you go to the... You know where the Baptist Manse is, yes. that one with yeah. the yeah. thing made roof, round the corner coming to Lauren Way from there. Right. And then after I hurt my leg, um, stairs were a bit of a problem, so... We moved down to Crofnafad, which is opposite Seaview, just up from the graveyard, the first one on the same side. So we stayed there, and then we moved up to Pondside. That's when I first remember meeting you. Yes. Yeah. We moved up back up to Culloden, because we were both happy up there. Yeah, home. Yeah. Yes. Because I think when I first met you, did you have Irish wolfhounds? No, that was Serena. Serena through, wasn't it? Had the Irish wolf. That's right. Because I remember yeah. you think you had them round. You were looking yeah, after them. Yeah, they were they were always in and my house. <laughs> <laughs> They're huge. I'd never met a dog yeah. so big at that time. He was very handy because when my leg was bad and I couldn't get up, I would just shout to him to yeah. come over and lean on him. Aye. And I get up. It's maybe worth saying about about your leg. Cause that's, how how did you damage it? Running at sports. I was winning, mm-hmm. and my foot went into a rabbit hole. And PD's dad, Donald, shouted, Ned, I get up, you can still win. Because it was a thread-the-needle race, and I knew the woman that was... I'm not going to mention her name, but <laughs> I knew that she couldn't thread a needle to save herself, <laughs> and that I could. But when I tried to get up, I couldn't. Oh, God. So that was the end of that. And, of course, ferries being ferries, that was the Saturday. I couldn't get away till the Monday. And by then the damage was done. And they sent me from Oban to Edinburgh for some reason. I can't understand that one yet. And they did a small incision because I was female and they didn't want to leave a scar. Okay. So it went septic, so oh, they had to no. make another incision, and it oh. went on from there, ending up years later with a, an artificial knee, which still isn't right. <sighs> Who won the race, by the way? The woman that I didn't want to. <laughs> Oh dear, I'm sure they'll know who they are. <laughs> they'll know who they are. <laughs> so yes. what struck me um, coming here when I was here <clears throat> was the sense of, the pl- sense of place is so strong in Colonsey, the sense of belonging that so many people have here. What do you think that comes from? I think mostly from the people, because when we came in 1947, there weren't many, many strangers here. No. There were mostly, I won't say interbred, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Have you seen um, I've only got one eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. They were yes, yeah. all related in some way or other, yes, be it yeah. distant or... McNeil or McAllister yes. or McPhee or McDuffie. Um, and they just accepted us. Yeah. I mean, they spoke about us in Gaelic. Yeah. But... And did you have Gaelic? Eleanor and I knew what they were saying, <laughs> although we didn't speak it. <laughs> <laughs> because... 
we had got garlic in Glencoe. We started really? off with garlic. Ah. So we knew what they were saying, but it wasn't derogatory. It was just, you know, they don't understand how things work. Yeah. And we just all got anything that was going. We got invited to. In fact, the first wedding that was here was Frank and Susie's, I think. Either that or Andrews and Flora's. I might be muddling them up, but they were the same year. Right. And we were invited. Lovely. You know, it wasn't just, oh, we won't ask them, we don't know them. We were just invited and plunked in at the deep end. That's fantastic. And it just went from there. So who were the characters when you first first came here? Who do you remember that stands out? Oh, so many. Old Call was one of them. So you knew my great grandfather. Yes. Actually, I have no. The only thing I know about him is uh, Neil. Well, a few things I know about him falling in the in the water. Down yeah. There. Well, you would hear his face. In fact, they're rescuing him. Yes. So what was what was he like? He was only a wee man. Aye. And his wife was Bella. Tall. She yeah. was. She was very tall. Well, maybe she wasn't that tall, but because he was small, she I looked... I think she was. I think she was pushing six foot. If yeah, I don't know. I didn't know her. Aye. But Carl was great, and if you said something to him, he would just answer you with, aye, <laughs> and you wouldn't get any more. But I remember one time, Evan and I, we used to have to go to Glasgow at weekends if there was something on and my parents were going out or Kirsty and Hugh were going out and we got sent down with Katie and Jasper. Oh, lovely. And Col was there, of course. Yeah. And we arrived down this day and they had been tarring the road, just doing it by hand. Yeah. And Col had a new pair of slippers. <laughs> oh, dear. And he wanted to go to the pub and Katie was always, you know, a bit annoyed if he wanted to go to the pub. So he escaped. Yes. But he escaped with his slippers on <laughs> and they stuck in the tar. <laughs> oh dear. And he got what for because he had ruined his new slippers. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we arrived down to stay for the weekend. Yes. And here was this ding-dong going on. (laughs) I've heard tales of him escaping. He was an escape artist. Yes. But he he didn't put his shoes on. He escaped with the new slippers on. And they stuck in the tower. So he just walked out and carried on. Oh, man. (laughs) But he just seemed quite down to earth. He was very good to children. Right. Mind you, he had plenty of them, oh. so he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he um, yeah. was very good to us. Uh, yeah, they'd be very fond of Colin as well. Yeah. I don't know if Colin, well, he would know him because he would be here on holiday, but I think by the time Colin came to live here, mm-hmm. he was gone. Oh, right, okay. I think so, because they didn't come here till 52. Okay. I'm not sure when Col died, but... Um, mm-hmm. He might have, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who else? You mentioned Jasper and Katie there and Hugh. And, uh, yeah. Uh, who, who, who else are, uh, from the past that sticks out? Is it? I mean, Hugh, for me, was my great hero. Aldi. Oh, Uncle Aldi, yes. Yeah. He was another escape artist. He had run away <laughs> from Jessie, his wife, all the time. <laughs> She'd go down to the bar and pull him out and take him <laughs> home. What did Aldi do? What was his trade? Aldi did quite a lot of things. 
He dug ditches, he put up fences. I think he was employed on the estate for a wee while. But I don't know really who employed him, if you know what I mean. He just seems to be working all the time at different things. And Jasper, where was Jasper working? Jasper was employed on the estate. Mm -hmm. And him and I were on weekend duty quite often. I got on well with Jasper. One of the characters from the past that's, and it's only the recent past really, the, that's come up from Collinsy in the, the, the Iona episodes of this podcast I've been doing, was Donald Gibby. Yes. Donald Gibby. Can you say a little bit about, about him from here? Just because people well, are interested to see the, the lights no, outside. <laughs> actually, because when we were growing up, there was enough folk in your own area oh, yeah. that you didn't need to go. There was Over 42 people yeah. in Killoran. That's a huge amount of folk. Yes. And I mean, Glassard was the same. They had right. lots of people because they had lots of families. Yeah. Um, so Kilhanton, if you wanted to go to it, you had to walk. And you didn't go near Donald Gibby's because his father was quite strict about things and would right. chase you with the stick if you walked on the croft. Really? Yes. Gosh. So I don't know that much about him until right. after we got married. Yeah. And staying where I was, I was up and down there quite a bit. Aye. Because Maggie, you're saying Maggie's here at the moment as well. Yeah. I hope Dad gets a chance to see So him. I got to know them quite well. Yeah. And he had mellowed by then, apparently. But if he got cross, that was it. You went. But he, he had such a knowledge. You know, he could tell you every rock round oh. the, the coast. Duncan Sandy's got some of that, I believe. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'd love to try and catch That's him. That's because they were fishermen and oh. they, they were always out in the boats. Down there, uh, Gareth Clattach and um, Portmore, oh, it's just, I yeah. love that bit of the island. You see, that, that as kids... It was a long walk, and oh, you yeah. had to walk to school and back every day, and you had to walk on Sunday to Sunday school and back. So you didn't, if you walked around the island, which we did as we were older, yeah. you didn't stop off because you'd never get round. No, indeed. Um, There's so much to see. Yeah. So you just walked around the island. You only got to see people like that at do's and things. So where would the do's take place? What, what kind of thing, places and spaces were there for... There was Macron's in the barn. And that was they that had, downstairs or upstairs in the barn? That was downstairs. Mm-hmm. They had dances in there. And Killoran had a hall which was upstairs from where Morag and Charlie stayed, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't know, I don't think. Dad's mentioned it, but I yeah. yeah. Um, the old farm house. Mm-hmm. That was a good hall. Orensey was another place that, you went to dances. Fantastic. Yeah. How many people were in Orensey at the time when you were growing up? Oof. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about ten. And where did the was it in the bar in Orensey they had? Or... It was in the barn. Yes. Right. Used to walk from Killoran to Orensey to go to a dance, and then walk back. Twelve miles. <laughs> about that. But you didn't mind because everybody was doing it. <laughs> I mean, in your teens, you just oh, went wherever. And did you ever stay the, the night for those dances in Orange or did you come back? By? I didn't stay the night for the dances because I was working the next day and Kirsty would have shot me if I'd stayed. <laughs> but 
I used to get sent over there. Andrew was piping, yeah. and he was a judge. And he used to go away in October to piping competitions and yes. things. And somebody had to go over with Flora to look after the beasts. She didn't drive. Yes. So I usually got sent from Killorn over to Ornsey. I just loved it. Nobody else wanted to go because they were stuck in Ornsey. Oh, but if you were there with Flora... I wanted to be stuck in Ornsey all the time. Oh. Flora was incredibly generous. Yeah. I remember the last time I saw her. It was always my ambition, I think I said, to, to speak to her in Gaelic. And I, I only learnt Gaelic just, just as she was passing, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. I'm sure she would still have a lot to say about my Gaelic. But um, I just remember the last time I saw her, I got a huge apple juice sized whiskey from her at sort of oh. 11 o'clock in the morning so oh thank you <laughs> but uh, yeah oh she was yeah. so good one funny story about her when I used to go over there to work um I think it was a bit later must have been November time and Andrew was away something or other and I was over and we had fed the the animals and milked the cows and gone to see that everything was all right. And we were taking the dogs for a walk at night. Well, in the afternoon, just before it got dark. And she said, I think it's going to snow. And I said, what? And she said, I think it's going to snow. It's got that atmosphere about it. And I thought, you're right. It's very quiet still. And she said, if it snows, I'm not getting up in the morning. So anyway, I woke up. And I thought, there's something wrong. It was such silence. And I pulled the curtain over from the window and the snow was on the window. And I thought, oh. So I looked at the clock and it was about eight o'clock and I thought, I better get up. So I got up quietly, went away down, stuck the ribbon, milked the cows came back in and she still wasn't up. So I made a cup of tea and took it up to her and she says, Oh, Netta, you're up. Why didn't you shout to me? I've slept in. I said, No, you said last night if it was snowing you weren't getting up. She says, It's not snowing, is it? And I said, Yes. So she got up then and we had our breakfast and then we had to go and look for the cows and the calves in the snow. Because she had said she wasn't getting yep. up, yep. I just did everything. Yes. Oh, and she was, she was really, she said I didn't really mean it. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, she would have greatly appreciated that. Yeah. Oh, she was magical. Yeah. She was a really lovely person. Colin and I were over staying with them at one point for a weekend. I don't know why, because Andrew was there. And Andrew and Colin were talking about bagpipes until we were just about, <laughs> fed up with them and Flora said they were droning I think, on yeah I think you and I will go and walk the dogs so we took the dogs away and we went round the shore and we found a bottle of Benedictine oh wow gosh and the seal was still on it it must have been washed off something and wow. I said to Flora no it's probably seawater that's in it and somebody else has sealed it yeah so we it was raining so we sat in this cave and we opened it, and we tasted it, and it was fine, so we drank it. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and we came back home with a bottle with just about that much in it. It's quite strong, Benedictine, as well. It was oh. really strong. We managed at home. <laughs> <laughs> but Colin and Andrew were about the same, because oh, they'd right. been imbibing in the whiskey. I see. 
So they couldn't believe that we had drunk it and not kept them any. <laughs> a bonus bottle. <laughs> Orange is very beautiful. I've only ever been, I think, once or twice. I remember going across the, the strand in Uncle Hugh's brown maxi and the, the <laughs> yes. salt corrosion, and I could see the water through the floor of the maxi <laughs> as yeah. we drove over the strand. And, uh, and my mum says the story that, you know, she couldn't, we were coming back and going, going in the perfect line and then he went off on a tangent. You're like, where the heck's he going? And he was going through the the, the, the fresh water to wash the salt yep, off it. that's right. And then back, yeah, aye. Yeah. Well, there's, there's quite a few stories of Ormsey. Mm. I used to be the postie. Aye. Um, relief postie. And I was going to Ormsey and if the tide wasn't right, if it was neap tide... Sometimes you just couldn't get across. Mm. And I carried a bit of stick about that length with me in the car so that I could put it at the edge of the tide. Yeah. And I would know whether it was going out or staying put. Yeah. And if it was staying put, I just turned tail and came home. Yeah. The farmer over there at the time, he said, I don't know why you can't come. You've got plenty time. And I said, I've got other deliveries to do. I can't just come down here. And he said, and everybody goes along that way and they don't need to, they can come straight across. And I said, no, you can't. And he said, I live in Ormsey. So I stopped arguing with him. I just left him. Mm. And um, they got a brand new tractor (laughs) and he came straight across. And And I had told Pidi this, he was in Garvard at the time, Uh and I had told him this story. And he said, what? I said, well, that's what he told me to do. And Pity said, well, don't. I said, I'm not that stupid. Anyway, he came across and he bogged the tractor. Mm-hmm. And he went up to Pity and said, can you help me? I've bogged the tractor. And Pity said, yeah, I'll get a rope. And he, course, knowing what had happened, mm-hmm. he took his time and he got the rope and he curled it up <laughs> and put it on the tractor and went down. And he said to him, oh, I think it's the winch that we need for that. Where's the winch? He said, it's in Killoran. So PD said, it's all right, I've got time, I'll go and get the winch. So he went away, taking his time in the tractor, all the way to Killoran. (laughs) And of course the tide was coming in. Oh, for goodness sake. So the tide came in over the brand new tractor. Oh, no. And the next day I was going down with the mail and they were there trying to pull it out. Of course, it was much more difficult to get out by then. And he had the winch, give him his due, he had got the winch. And I handed him his mail and I said, I refuse to go over the way you went, so you better take your mail. Yes, yes, quite right. But he wouldn't listen to anybody, he knew better. Hall that I first remember going to is the one up at Killoran that's now got loads of fridges in it when you drive yeah, past it. Yeah, it's a storeroom. Right, okay. Yeah. When was that hall built? 1950s. Peter and Marianne got married in there in 58, so mm-hmm. it was up by then. Mm-hmm. So it was the 50s sometime. 
And what was, what was it like? Is it, was it a, a, did it feel like a different thing? Did it feel not as quite as good as the old hall? We didn't or? like it at first because the floor wasn't bouncy enough. Because it needed broken in. All right, okay. And then we moved to this one in two thousand. Yes. And it was the same thing. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't as good for dancing. But it is now, I presume. I presume so. I don't mm. dance now, mm. but I presume it's fine. I love this village hall here. It's yeah. fantastic. It's a lovely place to play. Uh, yeah. When I came to do my one man show years ago, it was magic. Mm-hmm. I have a very fond memory. Quite a profound. Professional memory, actually, um, of you know, there are certain things in your in your craft that kind of indicate to you when something's working or when something's going, yeah. and how you you know that you're stepping in the right direction. And it was Lucy Seamus's ex-wife yeah. was there, and uh, there was a bit in the show where a puppet comes out with a melon for a head and That's a bunch of bananas. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a face drawn on it with a pen, and it comes in and gives people hugs and things like that. And Lucy said to me at the end, "How did you get the melon to close its eyes?" I said, I didn't. It's, it's, it's just drawn on. She said, no, no, no. When it came in for a hug, it closed its eyes. <laughs> and I thought, that's brilliant. That's kind of all I ever wanted to hear was someone who had put that much of their imagination into yeah. something. They see it come to life in a way. Mm-hmm. That's magical. That was really... Yeah. yeah. So I've got a great affection for the hall for that. So. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't like any of the halls when we had to move because... Yes. Although the old one was just the upstairs of the barn with the roof like that, and mm. if you got swung too near the side, you banged your head on the rafters. Ooh. It was the atmosphere that was in them. Mm. And that one up in Killoran, it took a long time to get the atmosphere. And then, of course, we moved down here. So we had to start again, but it works. Oh, I love that hall. Yeah. The amount of things that have gone on with that hall and the kitchen facilities and... The kitchen is the most dysfunctional kitchen I've ever met in my life. Really? Yes. Is it because of the positioning of it or the... Nothing is within earshot, I was going to say, but you can't get anything. It just doesn't work. Right. I mean, if you're standing at the sink and you've got, say, cake cases on a plate... The bins are away up at the other end. <laughs> so you've either got to bring the bin down Which and leave it beside way. the sink yeah. or else you've got to walk up there with every single thing that is needed. And they just haven't got it right and there's a lot of things that don't work. Yeah. So they need to get on with that hall and sort it out. But you've got the screen machine comes quite regularly as well. Yeah. That's, where does that park up when it comes here? In the, over at the pier. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, lovely. It's amazing, that machine, oh, the way it just opens out. It's, it transports you away, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. The whole way it works. I mean, you could think of mobile homes and things doing exactly the same thing. Totally. Yeah. So, in terms of the folklore of the island, whenever I ask my grand to tell me a ghost story, she'd always say, no, don't have any ghost stories. But I knew perfectly well that she had other things. Because Gran had, um, she had a bunion that could tell you when the rain was coming. She knew when someone had died because of the noise in her ear. She knew all sorts of different things. And are there any of these kind of sort of folklore tales? I hope not. No, indeed, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are there any, any bits of folklore that that stick out from the island that you think? I don't know. I don't think so. Because I was there's thinking... one stupid thing, uh-huh. and it's stupid on my behalf <laughs> <laughs> because. When I was 
I must have been about 11. I wasn't that old. We weren't allowed to go to funerals. Mind you, most women didn't go to funerals anyway. They went to the church, but they didn't go to the graveside. Okay. And kids weren't allowed to go anywhere. You weren't allowed to go into the house that the coffin was in. Yeah. For some reason or other, I don't know why, but Mm -hmm. you weren't supposed to go in there. And I was being bad. And... I had been sent to my room, but I had left the door open. Mm-hmm. And Kirsty came over to talk to my mother. Somebody had died next door to her, an old woman. Well, I don't know how old she was, probably not as old as I am now, but I thought she was an old yeah. woman. And she had died. And Kirsty said to my mother, Have you any digestive biscuits? And my mother said, I don't know. She said, we need them because Flora's died and we need digestive biscuits. My mother said, I'll go and look. Anyway, she found a packet and that was fine. And that was okay. I didn't think any more about it. I was thinking more about the person that had died because I I had known her. So that was all right. And the next time somebody died, I was working and somebody came into the byre and said, so-and-so's died. And I went flying home. And I said to my mother, I need a digestive biscuit. She said, what? I said, I need a digestive biscuit. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, somebody's died, so I need a digestive biscuit. And I thought you had to eat digestive biscuits and somebody died. died. Yes. And I thought there was a connection with this. I think that's in the Carmina Gaidelica, I'm sure. (laughs) But it was because that's what they had at the church door. Right. They had the whiskey and the digestive biscuits with cheese on them. Because years ago, when they took the coffins, they had to carry them from the church at Scarlacy ground to the graveyard. And way. that's where Belknasach comes in. Right, okay. You know that bit with the the cement bridge around it? Yeah. Uh, after the golf course, yeah, yeah. Kilhattan. Yeah. That was where they rested the coffins. Right. But they had the biscuits and cheese and the whiskey to send them on their way. And I think they got more over there. Right, okay. But I thought that if somebody died, you had to eat a digestive biscuit. Yeah. And it was years Afterwards, that my mother said, you know, that's <laughs> just the kind of biscuits that they had. That's lovely. <laughs> Gosh. It's funny the wee superstitions you build up for yourself. Yeah. But I went, I remember dumping the milk in the dairy and going flying home <laughs> to get a digestive biscuit. Eat <laughs> <laughs> a biscuit. Oh. <laughs> just a couple more questions. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, the hotel is <clears throat> kind of a hub of life here on the island as well. It's not so much... Well, Caitlin and Jen are working wonders with it. Yeah. Um, and Keir and Grace. Yeah. But um, up until then, for a, for years it wasn't. Yeah. Once the estate took it over, it was more or less dead, apart from having visitors in it yeah. on holiday. But it's coming back now to what it used to be. Last night was lovely. It mm-hmm. was... There was a, a proper decent session there. There was dozens of people around just whistling and stamping and 
it was a one of the nicest sessions I've been at in years, mm. and it was organically Gaelic songs being sung, and it was just yeah, it was perfect. It was a magical, magical thing. I must say that I'm full of admiration for for Keir and Caitlin and and Liam and Jen and all these. They're fantastic. Well, Seamus singing. Seamus sang. Yeah, he's got a lovely voice. He's got a beautiful voice. Yeah, yeah it was really. Um, it was lovely to see him because mm-hmm. I've I've only I met him in the past many years ago, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was lovely. But when when we came, it was Davy Clark. Oh yes, John Clark's uncle mm-hmm. that had the hotel. Him and his sister, and it went like a fairground. Yeah, you know everybody was allowed in, and even when Kevin and Krista had it, but we used to have a young farmers club dinner. Um, and we used to have other things that took place. Burn supper. Oh, lovely! Took place in the hotel, mm. and you know you had quite a lot going on. And then when Alex and Jane took it over, all that was stopped. And the nature of the social calendar in Collins has changed slightly in the last couple of years with the addition of the Spring Festival, the Book Festival, the Music Festival. How has that affected life on the island? It's great, and it's it's brought a lot of people into the island. Yeah. At these times, yeah. it's livened it up a lot more. Yeah. A lot of people come over for the book festival yeah. to swell the numbers. Yeah. And then they stay on for the spring fest. And then they come yeah. to the music festival. Yeah. They stay on for the autumn fest. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a lot going on for a small place. Uh, yesterday afternoon when I was um, streaming a video from, I recorded a video on my phone and, and streamed it live to the world uh, via an app from Bama Heart. Mm-hmm. view because I'd never been to the beach up there before. Ah. Oh my god, I think that's my favourite beach in Colonsey. Yeah. It's just amazing, and I love the journey to get there as well. We just a lovely walk. Anyway, I noticed uh, Alex Gray, the crime writer. I think mm-hmm. she'd been here for the book festival. Yeah, she um, responded on Twitter saying, "Ah, oh, it's great." And I looked at the, the um, viewing who'd seen it, and Ian Rankin had seen mm-hmm. it as well. So has he been here for the book festival yeah. as well? Oh, that's great. I'd, the funny story about that. When we were in the hall, I was getting a book signed. Yeah. And Moira and Fran were standing, talking, and they said, Netta, you go ahead of us because we're seeing what books we want signed. And there was quite a queue forming. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead of them. And I was saying to Ian Rankin, it was the book, Standing in Another Man's Grave. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, it's in the north of Scotland, and I knew exactly where you were. And he said, gosh, I should have phoned you because I didn't know where I was. So he went on about that. I said, well, you sign the book. And he said, yes. And he gave me a pen. And it's got Ian Rankin Rebus on the pen. And um, when Fran and Moira went up, there was no pens left. And they were mad at me. I said, well, you let me go first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's great I love the fact that you can have I mean you've got a bookshelf there that's got uh, Margaret Elphinstone as well yeah. there and Roger well I Hudson used to well. cycle around the island with her when she was a teenager yeah yeah that's fab it was it was good and there was a guy there not this year last year he was a poet mm-hmm. John Carruth I'm not that keen on poetry so I was going to come home and Derek Emsley, who's mm-hmm. got the house at Glassard, he was sitting beside me and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home, I'm not that keen on poetry. And he said, what are you going to do? And I had broken my, my wrist. Mm. And I looked at it and I thought, well, I'm not really going to do anything. 
And he said, sit and listen, because a poet reading his own poems oh, different. is completely different yeah. than you picking it up ah. and reading it. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll sit for a wee while. I said, if I don't like it, can I sneak out? And he said, yeah. So anyway, I was half listening to it and half thinking I could go for a walk. It's lovely and sunny. And this guy said, um, I'm going to read you a poem about a stone on a farm at Kilbarkin. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Kilbarkin, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I listened and he said, now, there's a field behind the farm and it's got this humpy stone in it. Nobody knows what it's for or where it came from. And I thought, I know that farm. And I looked at the programme and it said John Carruth and I thought, wonder if he's related to Nancy because I used to go away and work on farms in my holidays. Ah, right, okay. So anyway, when he was finished, I went to go up to him. I didn't have the book or anything mm-hmm. with me because I thought I'm not buying a poetry book. <laughs> so anyway, I went up and I said to him, are you related to Nancy Carruth? And he said, Nancy? I said, yes, she moved to Moyo and Glenelg. Yes, that's my cousin. I said, well, I worked on that farm in Kilbarkin with your uncle. And he said, are you sure? I said, yes, he's the only farmer I know that had a patch on his cap. And he said, that's him. So I had been working on the farm. They were there, but it's his brother that's got it now because he was older. That was fine. I turned round to come away and I nearly knocked somebody over and they said, Oh, it's all right, Netta. I'm just going to ask him if I taught his mother embroidery. Well, I started laughing because I thought, the poor man, he's here to sign books. And then Neil and I went to the Highland Show and we met him there. Well, you know the Kilbarkin connection with our family? Yeah, Mora and Alistair are there. Yeah, who grew up in Colonsey. Yeah. (laughs) Or partly in Colonsey. The the gamekeeper's son Mm -hmm. that was in Kiloran when I was in Kiloran, he's in Kilbarkin. Place to be. And the woman that I nearly knocked over, her sister stays next door to him, and she didn't realise there was a currency connection. These little nexus of connections just happen all over the place. It's extraordinary. That's right. It doesn't matter where you go. Oh, no, you peel back layers, and there's always, like Lily Carmichael here from Dunoon and all that, that, you know, growing up, that was a big impression of me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That's fantastic. You're very welcome. I hope it's any use. Oh, there's loads in there. Thank you. Moran tang neta, vajirach mirvel chavia kapti chrut, and my hot tallishug and tuxin and corum of in shela. I must admit, I've sat with a big smile on my face all the time I've been editing this episode. If you look at the links to the episode, you'll find a link to a film called Mocharich Mogaiskach by Rachel Henry. This short film follows two wonderful people from Collins's past who you'll have heard mentioned in this and the previous episode, Jesse and Flora. It perfectly captures a moment in time on the island. And I think it's just wonderful. It's well worth 4 minutes and 56 seconds of your time. You'll also find a link to my live-streamed video from Balnahard that I talk about in the episode. It's just a short video that I grabbed whilst on the beach. It's a bit wobbly, but it shows a stunning part of the Isle of Colonsey, looking north and back to Mull. I've loved doing these episodes from Colonsey. There's so much more I want to do there, so I'll be trying to make a trip back in the near future. 
If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by donating via PayPal or Patreon. You'll find details on the website underneath the Donate tab. If you wanted to leave a review on whichever platform you listen to the podcast on, I'd be very grateful, as the more reviews and ratings we can get, the more people can hear the stories the participants have taken the time to share. And thank you to those of you who reach out to say hello and pass on more information about Bits and Bobs. I always appreciate hearing from you. Thank you. Next week, I'm back with a shorter episode from The Benesson Show, which I had a lot of fun recording. Thank you so much for listening. It's an absolute privilege to share these stories with you. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Shenakade, more and thang.